Today we're wrapping up our series entitled Instead. And throughout this series, our focus has been to see that in every circumstance, God has an instead for us. He always has an alternative to the challenges and the difficulties that we face. But today I want to focus on a topic that I think is timely and relevant for this moment, and it's the topic of persecution. For you see, as believers, we're going to face difficulty and hardship. But many of us, when we're in this season, this difficult season, we have a hard time understanding why things are so very hard. Well, I want to remind us that not only are we in a difficult pandemic, but we're also experiencing spiritual attack. I want to remind us that the enemy, he has three objectives in his life. And those three objectives are, number one, to steal, kill, and destroy, and pervert everything that God creates. The second objective is to ensure that people don't know who Jesus is and that they don't accept him as Lord and Savior. And then the third is to render believers ineffective. He wants to discourage you. He wants to deplete you. He wants you to get depressed and to focus on your problems and not focus on the Lord. But I believe that God is inviting us in this season to discover and instead. When you face difficulty, instead, keep standing. God is inviting us in this season to keep standing. In 1950, Philip James felt a call in his heart to become a missionary to Ecuador. He didn't know all that that was going to entail, but he said yes to Jesus. God gave him an instead, and he said yes. And so he began to gather up support. He began to find ministry partners. He even found a friend who was willing to be a missionary with him in Ecuador. But a couple months later, his friend Bill, who was supposed to go with him, said, Philip, guess what? I can't go with you. I've met this really wonderful lady. We're going to get married. You're going to have to find someone else. And at that moment, Philip was frustrated. He was disillusioned. He was wondering, what exactly is God doing in this moment? But what he didn't realize is that what he perceived as a delay was actually God's detour. Often, in these moments of difficulty, we see that God is delaying, that he's holding back, that he's holding things back, blessings back from us. But I want us to focus on the fact that God often leads us on a detour because he has something better for us. In this detour and delay moment of Philip's life, he actually met his wife, Elizabeth. After some months of courting, they began to plan to get married. They got married, and then they began their ministry in Ecuador. They were going to minister to the Quechua Indians. And so they began their ministry, and after a couple of years, there was a restlessness in Philip's heart, and he realized that God had another instead for him. And he felt a call to reach an unreached people group called the Ayuka. They were people who lived out in the, in the forest. They had been un, unreached by human civilization. They lived a very different life than the life of people in Quito, Ecuador. But even in the midst of that, Philip was convinced that God had called him to be a missionary to those people. So in that ministry outpost, that missionary outpost, there were four other friends, and they began to make plans to reach out to the Yucca people. And so they began by offering gifts from afar to the Ayuka people to hopefully ingratiate themselves and to create a positive relationship with those people. Then, in January of 1956, Philip James and his four friends finally decided to go and make contact. 
And so as they were going to reach these people, the Ayuka, they reached out to them with open arms. But suddenly, the situation turned the wrong way. What Philip and his friends did not realize was the fact that the man who had brokered the connection between the missionaries and the Ayuka had lied about the intentions of the missionaries. And so the, the men who came out from the Ayuka tribe actually threw spears at Philip and his four friends, and they died. He was 28 years old. In that moment, Philip James Elliot, also known as the missionary martyr Jim Elliot, died in that moment. But in a previous moment, Philip had made a decision in his life that he knew that serving God might cost him a whole lot. It might actually cost him everything. He said this in one of his journals. I do not seek long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. It's almost as if Jesus was telling him ahead of time, you're going to have a full life, but you're going to have a short life. And I want to say this, God doesn't measure our life in length. He, measure, he measures it in terms of weight, in terms of impact. Jim Elliott made the decision that anything worth living for is also worth dying for. He decided to keep standing even in the face of spears being thrown at him. Part of what helped him stay confident and to stay standing in that difficult moment was he remembered the challenges and the difficulties of the prophets of old. He remembered the challenge and the difficulties of people who had been missionaries in different times. And I no doubt think that he was inspired by the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. I want to invite you to open up your Bible, your Bible app, your Westover app. Let's look at the word of God together. This is Jesus speaking to the crowd who's gathered there and even his disciples. Verse 10 says this. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus is saying here is that when you live a righteous life, you're going to be persecuted. It's par for the course as a believer. But if you're persecuted for righteousness and you're persecuted for following Jesus, you inherit the kingdom of heaven. What that means is that you become a citizen of heaven. When you stand up for Jesus, you actually earn eternal life. Then he goes on in verse 11 and 12. And when you look at the original text, Jesus is actually speaking his, to his disciples you can tell in the original language that he's doing that. This is what he says in verse 11 and 12. Blessed are you, my disciples, when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When we decide to live righteously for Jesus, we're going to be insulted. We're going to be persecuted. We're going to be lied about. But God tells us that if we're willing to live righteously, we can be blessed. We can not only inherit the kingdom of God, but that we will inherit riches in heaven because we're willing to live for Jesus. And so if you're facing divorce, keep standing. If you're facing difficulty, keep standing. If you're facing hardship and everything heavy, keep standing. Because if God is for you, who can be against you? Today, I want to share with you three steps to keep standing in the face of persecution. Number one, understand and fight the battle spiritually. Don't try to fight it in the natural. Fight it spiritually. 
Jesus, in a couple chapters later, in Matthew chapter 24, gives us some idea of understanding the difficulty that we're facing right now. Matthew 24, verses 4 through 6 and verse 8 says the following. Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. I want to pause there. When you see and hear all these things, don't be alarmed. Why? Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Verse 8. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Just like a mom experiences birth pains even before her baby and her child is born, those birth pains signal to her that her baby is coming. She has contractions, she has pains, she has back pain and difficulty. But those pains signal to her that something else is coming. I want to suggest to you that there's something that God wants to birth in your life. There's something that God wants to birth in this church. And the birth pains that we're sensing are signaling to us that God is still at work, that there's still a promise yet to come. The other purpose for having us experience these birth pains is for us to realize the moment that we're in. We need to understand that we are in a spiritual battle. We are fighting a war that we can't see, but that war is real, more real than the world that we live in. So I want to give you a little bit of understanding about spiritual warfare. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 18, we hear Paul's dissertation on the armor of God. First thing that we need to understand about spiritual warfare is, number one, people are not the enemy. The battle you face is not people. I know you think it is. I know you think it's your coworker, you think it's your aunt or uncle, you, you think it's the person on social media, but the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 6 that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness in high places. All that pressure and difficulty that you're feeling right now is the enemy at work. People are not the enemy. Now, yes, people can allow themselves to be influenced and used by the enemy for his purpose, but the enemy is not the people. The enemy is the enemy. Number two, we need to understand that God's armor protects us. I want to speak briefly about the armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul talks about the armor of God, and he starts off by talking about the helmet of salvation. He says when you put on the helmet of salvation, it's going to protect your mind. It's going to protect your thoughts. When you realize that you've been saved and set free, it'll protect your mind and heart. God wants you to know that he has set you free from the things that shackled you in your past. You don't have to stay locked up in the prisons of the past. Jesus died on the cross to set you free. But the enemy wants to convince you that you are still in bondage, that you are truly not saved. But the word of God tells us that when we understand the salvation of Jesus Christ, it protects our thought life. God then invites us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. And that's intended to guard our heart. When we look at Proverbs, it talks about how we need to guard our heart above all else. Because everything that we do flows from our heart. What I've discovered is that righteous living will change your heart and control your emotions. 
The enemy wants to attack your emotions. But when you live a right life in front of Jesus and around the people that you're around, God will give you the love, the peace, and the joy that you need in this season. If you allow the breastplate of righteous living, it will protect your heart. And it will make sure that you have the emotions and the feelings that come from the Lord. The third thing that Paul encourages us to do is to lift up the shield of faith. Because it extinguishes the, the darts and the arrows of the enemy. Do you know that the enemy's gunning for you and for your family? He's trying to shoot arrows at you to take you out, to take your marriage out, to take your family out, to take your business out, to, to steal, kill, and destroy everything. But when you hold up the shield of faith, what you're saying is, God, I believe that you're going to protect me because I'm under your hand. I'm under your protection. And I'm going to hold up that faith even when I can't seem to see it. Faith is invisible, but it's powerful. And it accomplishes what God intends. And he wants to protect you from the attack of the enemy. You just have to believe and say, God, even when I can't seem to see you at work, I know that that shield is gonna protect me and my family. Because as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I stand under that. Paul then encourages us to put on the shoes of peace. Now, many of us, we don't understand exactly what that means, but what the shoes of peace actually means is that Anytime we take steps with Jesus and we walk with him, we walk in paths of peace. When we follow him, everywhere we go, we encounter peace. It doesn't matter what's happening around you, but when you walk with Jesus, peace will be with you and it will be around you. The other thing about the shoes of peace is that every place you step, peace will follow you. If you walk with Jesus, every step you take into your business, into your family reunion, into the difficult moments, God's peace is there with you because your feet are covered with the shoes of peace. Paul also invites us to put on the belt of truth. The belt of truth is what holds us up. It's actually what holds up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. When you live a life of truth and honesty, what you discover is that you can wield the sword of the Spirit and speak the truth of God with confidence, knowing that there's nothing in the shadows that can take you out. What's interesting about the belt of truth is that God desires for there to be truth in our purity life. He intends for there to be truth in our purity life. When it comes to how you function sexually in your life, God intends for there to be truth and purity. So if you're unmarried, honor God in your spouse by living a life of truth and aligning with God's word. And if you're married, live a life of truth that honors your spouse and honors God as well. If you are willing to hold up the belt of truth, it'll hold you up. And finally, the third thing we need to understand about spiritual warfare is that the Bible is our weapon. This is the sword of the spirit. We need to quote it. We need to share it. It's not that your words or my words have any power. It's the fact that the word of God has power and it has authority. And if you're facing difficulty, if you're facing challenges, all you need to do is speak the word of God. This is exactly what Jesus did when he was tempted by the enemy. He just didn't say whatever. He actually quoted the word of God. We need to do the same. For you see, spiritual wars demand spiritual weapons. If you want to win the spiritual war that you're facing... Pick up the word of God. A spiritual war needs a spiritual weapon. And I've discovered that the word of, God's, the word of God destroys every weapon forged against you. 
The enemy wants to forge weapons against you to take you out, but the word of God can defeat any and every weapon that has been forged against you. Number two, to keep standing in persecution is to accept a prophetic assignment. We need to accept a prophetic assignment. Now, prophecy is simply this. It's being able to speak God's truth in love under the direction and leadership of the Holy Spirit. We need to share God's truth in love and be led by the Holy Spirit. That is what a prophetic word is. That is what a prophetic assignment is. Matthew 5 verse 12 says this, Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. When you are living righteously, you're going to be attacked. And I've discovered that persecution validates prophetic assignments. If you're being attacked for living right for God and you're encountering persecution, it's validating that you have a prophetic assignment. There's something about your life. There's something that the enemy sees in the spiritual that you can't see that marks you not only as a child of God, but as a member of God's army. The enemy wants to take you out, but when you speak with the authority of God's word behind you, you'll discover that he will empower you. He will strengthen you. This is what Stephen said. Stephen was a disciple of Jesus. He was one of the first martyrs. We encounter the story of Stephen in the book of Acts. This is what he says in Acts 7.52, talking to the religious leaders who were there accusing him. Was there ever a prophet your ancestors did not persecute? Anytime you live for Jesus, you're going to encounter persecution. But rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven because you're following the Lord. If you're being attacked, rejoice. You're on the right track. If you're being attacked, rejoice. Your reward is coming. Let me say it again. Your reward is coming for following Jesus. He sees you and he knows the challenges you're facing and he says, I need you to keep standing. Let me tell you how the story of Jim Elliot ends. If the story had just ended with the death of Jim Elliot, that would have been the end of it. But because he was willing to accept a prophetic assignment, it actually provided spiritual courage to everyone else who was left in that ministry outpost. His wife decided the moment he died that she was going to learn the language of the Ayuka. So she took two years. She learned the language of the Ayuka, and then she went to go live with the Ayuka with her three-year-old daughter, Valerie, and a sister of one of the martyred men, one of the martyred missionaries. And for two years, they poured into and ministered to the Ayuka people, so much so that the Ayuka people actually changed their name from the Ayuka, which means savage warriors, to the Warani. They decided to change their name and their identity. And because of their faithfulness, today, 40% of the Warani people have a faith in Jesus Christ. Because they were willing to accept the prophetic assignment. Because they were willing to keep moving forward. Because they were willing to keep standing even in the face of difficulty. Elizabeth Elliot didn't know what was going to happen if she chose to go live with the Ayuka. But she decided to say yes to that assignment, and because of it, God honored it. You never know what accepting a prophetic assignment can do, not only in your life, but in the lives of the people who are watching you. 
Your children, your neighbors, and your coworkers are watching how you live your life, and they want to know that Jesus is real. And when you speak with truth, and you speak in love, and you speak under the influence of the Holy Spirit, what you'll discover is you'll speak life and hope and truth into people's lives, and this is exactly what the people need in this season. And we need to be willing to say yes to the prophetic assignment that God has for us. Don't stay on the sidelines. Get in the game. Get in the battle. Go to war for Jesus. Find fulfillment in following him. The purpose of a prophetic assignment is to populate heaven and vacate hell. I pray that this church will always stand for truth and that we'll, we'll focus on populating heaven and vacating hell. One of our core values is a bigger heaven is a better heaven. And I believe, oh God, would you allow that to happen here? Would your people catch a vision for a prophetic assignment? I, I can only imagine what would happen if each one of you who are here and those of you who are online were willing to say yes to it and take it seriously, imagine what would happen in our community. Imagine what would happen in your family. Imagine what would happen in your workplace. All we need to do is say yes, and God will empower it. For you see, God empowers people with spiritual authority to fulfill a prophetic assignment. Jim Elliott had the right perspective. This is what he said. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. This earth and this world is temporary, but the things of God are eternal. And the only thing that we can take to heaven is our worship and our praise and our love and adoration of God and the people that we tell about Jesus the people that we encourage. That's the only thing we can take to heaven. And Jim Elliott understood. I'm willing to give up what I cannot keep to gain what I cannot lose. And if you today want to accept a prophetic assignment, there's three things you need to do. Number one, kneel before the king. Acknowledge him as Lord and Savior. Because if you kneel before the king, you can stand for him in front of anyone. Number two, invite Jesus and others to the fight. Don't fight the war alone. Invite Jesus to the fight. He's already won the victory. And when he steps onto the battlefield, guess what? He wins the battle that you're facing. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. That I can invite the victor, the champion, into the fight. And that he'll fight for me. And that he'll fight for my family. Invite others to the fight as well. Don't fight alone. Bring other people with you. And number three, receive a spiritual mantle. When we kneel before God, he puts a mantle of spiritual authority upon us to wage war on his behalf. It's as if he puts stars on our shoulders and he empowers us with spiritual authority to wage war on his behalf. He wants to give you, church, spiritual authority so that you're not depressed, so that you're not depleted, so that you're not discouraged. Allow God to put that mantle of encouragement and that mantle of authority upon you so that you can fight for the people who are struggling around you. Allow God to put that upon you. But in order for us to keep standing in persecution, we must be willing to stand firm. We must be willing to stand firm. Matthew 24, verses 12 and 13, Jesus goes on. He continues to tell his disciples how all of this will end. He says this, 
Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. In just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity if you've never made a decision for Christ or maybe you've strayed away to make a decision to make him Lord and Savior of your life. If you want to know that God's going to be with you in the difficult moments, all you have to do is say yes to Jesus. But it doesn't end there. At the end of our service, we're going to have a worship moment where if you need Jesus to stand with you, we're going to invite you to come forward and worship at the altar so that he can encourage you. This week, I was looking at the story of Stephen in Acts 7. He was an apostle of Jesus, as I mentioned earlier. He was persecuted for his faith, but he spoke the truth. He was saying, Jesus is the Messiah. You missed it. And the religious leaders were mad at him for heresy. And the punishment for heresy was being stoned. But he spoke the truth anyways. The Bible tells us that while he was being stoned for his faith, in verse 55 of Acts chapter 7, but Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. What struck me about this verse is the fact that whenever the bride of Christ is being persecuted, Jesus gets up off his throne and he stands for his bride, the church. I don't know about you, but this is the only moment in the Bible where we see Jesus step up off his throne. He usually sits and adjudicates and provides justice from a seated position. But when he sees you and your family being persecuted, that causes the king to step up off his throne. He's going to stand for you. For you see, if you stand for Jesus, he will stand for you. Why do we need to stand firm in this season? Verse 14 of Matthew 24 tells us this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. The purpose for the prophetic ministry that he's wanting to entrust to you is the fact that he wants to preach the gospel to the whole world, and then the end will come. Heaven hangs in the balance. Eternity hangs in the balance for so many. And if we're willing to stand firm in the face of difficulty, God will empower us to ensure that the kingdom of God is preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And so as I close, I want to invite you to stand. I want to invite you to stand with me. Those of you who are here in the room and those of you who are joining online. As I close, I want to offer you an opportunity. If you don't know Jesus, today you can make that decision. It's as simple as ABC. A, we acknowledge that we need Jesus to be our Lord and Savior of our life. B, we believe that his death on the cross and the resurrection was sufficient to pay the price uh, for our sins. And then C, we confess with our mouth from our heart that we need Jesus and that we want him to be Lord and Savior of our life. And today I want to offer you that, um, that, that moment, that opportunity. This is the most important moment. I want you to set aside every distraction and I want you to focus on what God is whispering in your life right now. So I want to invite you to bow your heads and close your eyes. No one moving. If you're here and you've never made a decision for Christ, or maybe you've strayed away from the Lord, on the count of three, I want you to raise your hand. This is your moment. Don't leave here not knowing Jesus. One, two, three. 
Yes, in the back, I see you. Yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Hands all around the room. For those of you who raised your hand, I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I want you to repeat after me, but I want you to say it from your heart. In fact, I'm going to invite everyone who's here to say this prayer with me. Say, Jesus, I need you. I want you to stand for me. And I know that I need to decide and choose you as Lord and Savior of my life. And so today, I confess you as Lord and Savior. Forgive my sin and stand for me. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer right now, congratulations. You are now marked for heaven. I want to invite you, whether you're in the room or online, to text New Life to the number on the screen. We'd love to encourage you in your faith walk and in your journey. God has a plan for you. He's willing to stand for you. But I want to speak to those of you who are here in the room. I know for some of you, this has been an unusually difficult and challenging season. And you felt like it's been one thing after the other after the other. And you're saying, God, what's, what's happening in the midst of this? Why well, sense in my heart this weekend, God say to you, I'm here to stand for you. I'm willing to get up off my throne and stand for you. And so today, if you've felt that this has been an unusually difficult season, I want to invite you to come up to the altar. And I want to invite you to worship and just ask God to stand for you. Present and pour out your heart to him and ask him to stand for you. Because if you stand for Jesus, he will stand for you.